Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. How did you feel on your last day at Sainsbury's? Oh, it was dreadful. I knew it was going to be dreadful. I knew everyone wanted to do a speech and say goodbye and they had a lovely gift for me and I knew it was a beautiful bottle of champagne and and very nice amount of John Lewis vouchers I I knew I wasn't going to be able to speak I was like the same on my wedding day I couldn't barely say my vows because I found quite emotional (laughs) so I had to write my leaving speech out for my boss to read out for me (laughs) and I stood there again in floods of tears because it was a real end of an era and I knew that a really uh, sort of key point would be walking through the revolving doors out of the office for the very last time. How did you feel? Oh, I just, I, I sobbed. <laughs> I just really, really proper sobbed and just couldn't wait to get home. Kimberly Davenport had worked for Sainsbury's the supermarket for more than two decades when she was made redundant earlier this year. I'm Emma Jacobs, and for the Financial Times' first Meet the Career Changers podcast, I went down to Hampshire to the house Kimberly lives in with her husband Rob and their two young children. I did a joint honours French and German degree, but I really just didn't know what I wanted to do. So I worked in Sainsbury's as a student. Was Was that on the deli counter? On the deli counter, yes. My mum used to come in and see me with my little peaked cap on and think I looked ridiculous. Anyway... Uh, and then my store manager said, why don't you do the graduate training scheme? Because it's only a year. It was pretty much double the money that I was on as a, a Delhi assistant. And it's very well thought of in the industry. So I applied for that, got through the selection process and um, went on to be a graduate trainee. And what does that entail? You work in all the different departments within a store, from back office to on the back door, unloading fans at three o'clock in the morning to managing the night shift um, so you get a really good idea of all the different areas of the store and then you go on to become a department manager after a year. So yeah I, I, I just got a bit bored with stacking the shelves because basically when there's everyone gets called down to the checkouts you don't manage anymore you you, you know you're a glorified shelf stacker which uh I didn't enjoy, so I applied for a job up in Sainsbury's head office just to sort of get out of that environment. When did you join the wine um, um, department? About 15 years ago, so, yeah, sort of five years after I started the graduate training scheme. And were you surprised that you were still at Sainsbury's 22 years later? <laughs> yes. I, I, it just didn't feel like 22 years. I mean, it absolutely flew by, and I I loved my last job so much, and I did that for 12 years, I think that I just, I didn't really see me doing anything else. It was just very enjoyable. And did you have a vision of your future? I mean, the job evolved year on year. So again, it didn't feel like I was doing the same same job and people come and go in your team and the structure changes every couple of years. So no, I, I, I guess I, I didn't look forward because I was sort of living in the moment because I, I was enjoying it. 
And so your last job in Sainsbury's, mm-hmm. what was that? Uh, I was marketing and PR manager for Beers, Wines and Spirits. And how long did you do that for? Um, that was um, about 10 years. And what does that, what does that involve? Um, lots of things, um, but um, mainly um, I organised all the press events, um, so big wine tasting events and liaising with journalists for samples and things like that. And I also wrote all of the back label copy for all of beers, wines and spirits, so when you pick up a bottle in store and read about all the delicious red berry flavours and things, that's, that was me. <laughs> well, what did you like about it? I, I got to try lots of lovely wine every day, work in a, an area that I'm really passionate about, particularly wine, such a fascinating subject. So I was able to visit uh, wineries and learn all about it and work with our two winemakers. And I was quite instrumental in you know, creating some of our brands and some of our products. So it was a really interesting job. Is it wine that you love? More yes. than being spirits. <laughs> yes, can you tell? <laughs> I'm partial to gin, but no, no, no uh, wine, wine. I, I just love that you can take something as simple as a grape, and suddenly you've got this. Just for a very simple process, you've got this amazing wine at the end of it. And so, during this time, you married your husband, and you'd had your son, Lucas, who's six? He's six, yes. And your daughter, when was your daughter born? Uh, she was born in 2016, so she's uh, 21 months. And then you came back from maternity, your second maternity leave. When yes, was that? I came back in January of this year. Um, yes, uh, straight after Christmas. And then when did you hear the news? Um, <clears throat> I'd been back about eight weeks, and... I I kind of got wind that, that something was afoot and I thought, oh, no one's spoken to me, so, I'll, you know, maybe I'll be OK. And we were all asked to come into a meeting and everyone had to cancel everything, so you knew it was a serious meeting. And, and that's when I found out that um, our department was being restructured and my role was no longer, no longer part of it. And do you remember how you felt? <sighs> Initially, it was shock and... Floods of tears, um, because I just, I really just didn't see it coming. Uh, I'd been there for so long and I really felt that I did a very, a very valuable job for them. And it, yeah, it just upset me because in, initially I just couldn't see what I was going to do, what, how I was going to come out the other side of it, because Sainsbury's was all I'd ever known, really. So when you say you floods of tears, did you yes. cry in the office? yes. A lot, and did they... I can't help it. I'm a, you know, I'm quite an emotional person, and I, um, you know, there's no way I could, I could hold it in. I just, yeah, out it came. And did you, did you leave work early? I did. I, my, my, I have lovely, lovely colleagues. I had lovely colleagues, and they rallied round me, and you know, tried to make me feel better. And I, you know, I, my, my, my heart wasn't in it from that moment. I, and I, yeah, I left. And rang my husband again in floods of tears. And what did he say? Well, he's very sensible, my husband, uh, very pragmatic. And he said, look, you know, we'll, we'll sort something out. You know, you never know. It could be the best thing that's ever happened. A lot of people said that to me. Um, and just get home and we'll open a bottle of wine and sort it out. Did you get drunk? <laughs> I didn't get drunk. I, I, I just wasn't in the mood. Kimberly's husband, Rob, remembers getting the call. 
I remember hearing the tears first. <laughs> but um, it, Kimberly in tears, understandably. I mean, it's a big shock, isn't it? Um, but how did you feel? How did I feel? Um, pretend, pretend Kimberly's <laughs> not in the room. <laughs> it's concern, isn't it? A, primarily concern for Kimberly. It's it, my mind. It initially, kind of went through. Okay, right. How do we? What the kids doing? But how do we kind of do? Um, how do we kind of get through the next couple of months? Of course, there's concern because you know it's not a small salary that you're on. It's a big, massive dent in in, in our family income. We've got a mortgage to pay. We just extended the house up up and out at the back. What do you do? Did you feel in shock? I mean, it, you know, it was quite normal to sort of catastrophize. <clears throat> yes, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, we, we, I had a young young baby, uh, my son. We um, had just done a big kitchen extension and a loft conversion and remortgage. So we had a bigger mortgage. And I, I initially I went into panic mode and thought, how on earth are we going to pay for all this? What What's going to happen? Will I find another job? quickly what what am I going to do what are my next steps but initially you've just got so much whirring around your head and it, it then goes from shock to mild anger to quite angry and then back to I yeah I'm gonna to have to sort this out during the meeting did people were people told that they were losing their jobs or did you get told individually no my so everyone was told in the meeting uh, my role was the only one that definitely no longer existed um, but there were structural changes and teams were made smaller so it was obvious that people were going to lose their jobs it was just that they would have to go through an interview process to see who was going to keep their job and who was unfortunately going to lose it and did you find out the terms of your redundancy swiftly? Or? Uh, yes, I mean, they. it was very, very structured. We had lots of meetings. Um, we could go up to six meetings, I think. There was a group of, uh, I think it was five or six of us who were affected. And so we were very clearly told all our options. We didn't have to leave if, if we didn't want to. It was open to look at all the other jobs that were available on our internal website and you could apply for those. Um, so there were other options did they offer counseling as well yeah and again I have to say they were brilliant they offered yeah counseling and also the outplacement service with through LHH Penner I'd I'd never I never thought I needed counseling but actually it was really good to speak to someone and I mean it's, it's it's fine talking to your husband and your friends but actually talking to someone who who is trained in giving you advice. Um, I found that invaluable. Mel Barkley, Head of Career Transition at LHH Penner, explains how the process works for people who've been told they might be in line for redundancy. So generally organisations, when they know that they're going to be releasing people, um, will contact us and ask us to support individuals as they're leaving the organisation. So after they've been put at risk and go through a formal consultation process, we will then reach out to the individual employees and explain what their programme involves and then invite them to come and join us at our offices where we set up a coaching programme and offer them um, activities such as workshops. And what kind of state are people in when you see them? Well, it varies hugely. Mm -hmm. We have some people who are 
dare I say it, even euphoric because maybe they haven't been enjoying their job and it's an opportunity to look at other options uh, right the way through to people who are extremely angry and very emotional. Um, and a lot of people just purely in shock, so disbelieving that it's happened to them, um, but aware of the fact that it's obviously a little bit more common these days than it used to be. I mean, Kimberly described it as the end of an affair kind of thing, the end of a love affair, mm. that, that, that she felt rejected and she felt very shocked and upset. Is that common feeling? Absolutely. I think it's the lack of control that really strikes people most, that they felt possibly up until then they've had complete control in their lives, certainly as far as their career is concerned. And then suddenly, often totally without any sort of forewarning, that control is removed. And it's a sense of helplessness and it often feels quite personal. It feels as though someone's actually picked them out of the crowd and said that maybe they're not performing properly or they're surplus to requirement. Um, and obviously it isn't, but it does feel a very, very personal attack at that stage. And how do you get over that? Um, well, how do you help them get over that? I think our help is that we try and almost normalise it and reflect back what they're feeling so that they realise that it is quite normal to feel that way, to feel anger and um, distress in terms of that lack of control. We also try and give them an idea of what could possibly be the next step for them so give them some idea of new beginnings rather than focusing on endings I think for most people they find it very difficult to move on because they're processing what's happened to them so our role is to try and encourage them as gently as possible to start thinking about well what could be the next opening for them what could be something that they're planning towards maybe not not necessarily immediately but sometime in the future and you went to this outplacement um, yes yeah what did, what did they offer you? What kind of things did you um, do? Oh, they've got a list of, oh, I don't know, dozens and dozens of courses and workshops that you can go on from your first 90 days in a new job to how to get a new job, you, your, how you look, how that can affect your chances of getting a new job, setting up on your own, accounting. You get a number of points. So I had 60 points and you spend those. So a workshop might have been five points and you are assigned a coach as well. And they take you through your CV and give you advice on that. So it was really, really helpful. And did you know what you wanted to do? Um <laughs> I guess for many years, I've always thought, what what would it be like to work for myself? So many people along uh, along the way have said, oh, you know, you ought to leave and do this. You do such a good job. Why don't you go and go freelance and do it for yourself? <clears throat> but I never wanted to take the risk. I'm quite risk averse. So I went on the starting your own business workshops and at Penner, LHH Penner, and I thought, well, maybe I could do this. And what did you what did you think about in terms of going it alone compared to a job? What kind of things do you need to think about? <clears throat> well, the main thing was is was I going to earn enough money because um, I had a, a good salary at Sainsbury's. Yeah, where was the work going to come from? How much was I going to get paid? How was I going to work out my structure of how much I charge? Would I mind working on my own? It's quite a lonely thing sort of sitting at home working for yourself so yeah there are lots of things going around my head at that stage 
I mean, you got a payoff from Sainsbury's as well. So, yes. you, so you could manage. You weren't about to be chucked out of your house instantly. No. no. So, how long do you think you could manage? <laughs> I without working. We worked out that I could take a year off with and do nothing, absolutely nothing at all, um, and that would that money would would keep us going for that for that year and possibly slightly beyond. Yeah. But I mean, the other side of working for Sainsbury's was that you had a massive commute and it was quite yes. a commitment to come to London every day. Yeah, it was two hours journey each way for me. So um, I only, I, after I had my son, I went down to four days a week and I worked from home one of those. So I only had to do that commute three days, but still travelling for four hours a day is quite a chunk out of your time. And you know, I'd leave at half past six in the morning and while the kids were still in bed and get home at half past six before their sort of seven, half seven bedtime. So I didn't get to see them on those three days very much. You work from home, don't you? Yes, I do, yeah. Are you a sole trader? Are you a company? No, I'm a limited, limited company. So I left Sainsbury's my last day was the 26th of June and I think I set myself up on the 28th of June. So I did it pretty quickly. And what were some of the things that you found hard? Oh, some of the language on the HMRC website. Just, I, I'm I'm very lucky. I have a um, an accountant as a sister-in-law, <laughs> um, so I did it while on the phone to her, saying, "What does this mean? What does that mean?" Um, and I'm a fairly intelligent person, but some of it I just didn't I didn't understand. I didn't understand about tax years and when, when I should set myself up to start and uh, yeah l- lots of lots of things that I really didn't understand so it's not particularly straightforward I would say. So if I met you now how mm. would you do uh, at a dinner party <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we're sitting next to each other yeah. how would you describe yourself as it work-wise uh, hopefully yeah. <laughs> not just through work. <laughs> I tend to say that I'm a freelance drink specialist doing PR and marketing and write, copywriting. Are you earning, as a percentage of what you were earning before, what do you think? Um, half, about half, I'd say. You know, I've not touched my redundancy money so far. That's amazing. Um, which is good, yeah. Um, so I've had enough jobs. I mean, I've just um, done a lovely job for Waitrose as well. So, um, you know, the, the work is coming in, Um which is great. But the, and half your mm. salary, yeah. <laughs> how are you managing though? Well, I, I'm, I'm not commuting. That was, you know, several hundred pounds a month. Uh, I could easily spend, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 pounds a day, coffee here, breakfast, lunch, on food. I'm not spending that anymore. So my outgoings have really substantially reduced. And it feels like it? Are you reining it in or um, I'm more cautious about what I spend I wouldn't say I think once I sit if I need to dip into that redundancy money that's when that's when I'm I will start thinking I need to rein in the spending but I'm still if I see something I like I, I will, I'm still buying it we spent an awful lot of money on the house um, and you kind of go back and say well what if we hadn't done that but actually we have We'd, we'd put a deposit down on a holiday next August um, to go back uh, two weeks to a cracking place in France that we loved. And um, well, do we do we pull out on that? And actually, no, because I think sometimes you just need to keep some things to look forward to and kind of keep a semblance of normality. Have we cut back? Yeah, of course we have. You know, we've we've looked at 
looks at everything that people normally do, gas, electric, broadband, and I'd love to replace my car, but we won't yet. Um, so, yeah, you cut back in certain ways, but for me, it's all about giving you the best opportunity to kind of make this a success. Um, and the longer t- that we can extend that time, the better chance in my mind. How much do you think you're working compared to before? So my son's at school and my daughter does nursery, goes to nursery three days a week. So I try and work the three days that she's at nursery. And if I need to work an extra day, then my mother-in-law will have my daughter. So I've gone down a day. So I'm doing three, yeah, three shorter and shorter days, I suppose. I think what was telling for me is I think one night we we both came from home from work and the normal routine was we kind of got home, put the kids to bed. And I think he burst into tears one night. I said, Mummy, I'll never see you. You, know, you used to get home, didn't you? At quarter to seven. I get in at seven. And that was quite telling. We kind of looked at each other and thought, oh, this is just... And yeah. we're doing the right thing for the for the children, both being in a, you know, busy jobs. In busy jobs. Uh, and that was then, and we said, OK, fine. You know, that kind of went away, didn't it? It was, mm. it was obviously one of those days. But your kind of mind goes back to that sort of thing and think, actually, this could turn it around to be a real, real brilliant opportunity gives you the opportunity to do something that you still want to do, something that you um, really loves, but equally try and balance off just to then say, okay, so what happens when we need to do homework and things like that? So it's not just about us, it's about them as well. And um, it's not fair. I mean, we used to pull on, well, we do pull on my mum an awful lot. And it's not that's not fair either. Are you getting more sleep? Are you doing more exercise? <laughs> All the things that everyone dreams of when they're going no. to leave their job. <laughs> I'd say sleep's better because I'm not getting up at the crack of dawn to get a train. So that's good. I would say I am more, much more relaxed. Yeah. Uh, and it, I'm thoroughly enjoying spending time with the children. And no, I'm not getting fit or losing weight because um, I'm sitting at home with all this lovely food in my cupboards. <laughs> That's just, the downside oh, of working from home. Terrible! I never saw that. I never foresaw that. Oh, I just have another biscuit with my coffee. <laughs> that should be offset by the, you know, lunchtime walks. Yes, yes, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Are you thinking at all that you might get a job? Um, not at the moment because it's going really well. Um, when I first started off, I gave myself a deadline of March, um, to just sort of have a look, see what I've earned, um, you know, how many jobs I've got at that stage and whether it's worth continuing. And I've still, I'm still going to stick to that. So I'm going to get through Christmas and sort of do a bit of a push for new jobs in the new year and see where I am. And what's the difficult bit about working for, I mean, working for yourself rather than just being surrounded by snacks? <laughs> you can't ever switch off. And so I've always got my phone with me, which my business line is my personal line. So it's my own phone number and my emails, work emails come through on my phone. So we could be out at the park and I got a call from a client saying, can you do this particular job? And I'm out feeding the ducks with my daughter on a Friday, which is generally when I, I, I take a Friday off. So, yeah, there is never, you know, even in the evenings, I'm sitting checking that I've got emails. So we want to look nice and efficient and be replying swiftly. So I'd say that's probably the biggest downside that you are always working, I suppose. And do you miss anything about the office? The people. Do you get lonely? No, I mean, I, I I actually really enjoy it. I sit here, I get so much done. And then I go and pick my son up from school and 
we've got another little companion so I'm not I miss the people just for the I made some amazing friends at Sainsbury's and I I kind of miss the structure as well of sort of going in and knowing that there's a Monday morning meeting and then there's this and then there's that and so there's none of that's very fluid I'll sit at the desk sit sit at my table and think what shall I do today (laughs) what jobs have I got on I mean, your son's fantastically sweet and smart, but yes. he, he's not an adult no, chit chat. Do so you not adult. miss that? Um, I'm surrounded by lovely neighbours here who I can, you know, chat to. And my husband works from home occasionally, so I've got him. Um, no, I don't. I really, at the moment, I mean, I've done it for where are we? June, five months, and I've not, I've not felt lonely so far. Does anything keep you awake at night? Yeah, yeah. I guess worrying whether I can, whether I can do this still. You know, whether it's whether I, you know, will another job come in? Will I have another paycheck? Yeah. And do you? I mean, one of the things after you left was a loss of confidence. Mm. I mean, being made redundant at, on top of mm. coming back from maternity leave. Mm. Do you feel that you've gained confidence or um got some way to go um yeah I think I I I have definitely regained confidence because um people want to work with me so it's always quite flattering that someone rings you up and says can you do a job for me because they know that you're you can do the job and that you will do a good job so that that always boosts your boosts your confidence but there are days when you think oh dear me can I can I really do this? You know, I'm I'm sat here and, you know, some days might have nothing on and think, oh, you know, what should I be doing? I should be on the phone trying to get work. And I'm not very good at that. I'm not very good at selling myself um, or sort of cold calling people. I went to some trade events um, with my business cards thinking, right, I'm going to march up to these desks and say, hey, mate, this is who I am. And I just chickened out and... It's not who I am. I can't. I can't do it. So, I think most of my work is gonna have to come from people who who know me and know the quality of work that I can do for them. And do you think that you? I mean, do you think you have to deprogram from being at a company? I mean, you've. I, I think you've said <laughs> we as in oh, Sainsbury's. Oh, I, I say it all the time. I say it all the time, and I I actually don't see a time when I won't say that. Almost every day I say we or our our product and I guess because I'm still vaguely got my toe in the water with them that I that I still feel part of the Sainsbury's family. But it's, it would it will take a very long time for me to not realise that I'm not a Sainsbury's anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, some people have um, higher levels of resilience. And I think people who are able to make that switch and use those transferable skills to go into other areas have very strong um, sort of uh, inclination towards being resilient in difficult circumstances. You know, we, we see some very talented people who would be wonderful entrepreneurs, but unfortunately they don't do well under stress. They don't do very well under pressure. Um, they are people who don't have those own personal um, resilience resources that they can rely on when they're under under that stress. And I think Kimberly in particular was somebody that probably didn't appreciate her transferable skills until she sort of sat down and started to look at them. And I think that combined with strong resilience and strong values has meant that she probably is um, somebody that can, 
not necessarily sustained sustain stress, but she's aware of it and I think she knows how to deal with it as well. What's the famous saying? You're only over three months away from being kicked out of your own house or something like that. So, yes, of course there is. But, you know, I think, I don't think we'll, I don't, actually, I, I genuinely don't think we'll, we'll need to worry about that. Um, and if we do, and that's, this is where I come back to talking about giving Kimberly the best possible opportunity to kind of make this a success. And if, if it doesn't kind of quite work out as we extended, expected, then, then we need to think about that. So, um, yeah, and that was one of the reasons for me sort of pushing myself a little bit more and sort of saying, okay, well, I was, I enjoyed my job. I enjoyed my job today. It's, I'm comfortable with it and there's still things I want to do. But actually you can kind of push yourself a little bit more and it kind of gives that a bit more sort of flex and freedom. <laughs> <laughs> That is not sound. <laughs> <laughs>